doesn't fit your conversation. Always full of fury against yourself and everyone else, apart from Socrates. And if that's my opinion of myself and the rest of you, then obviously I'm crazy or mistaken, I suppose. Let's not argue about that now, Apollodorus. Just do as I ask, and tell me what was said at Agathon's party. The conversation went something like this. Or, better, let me try to present it in their own words from the beginning, as Aristodemus told it to me. He started by saying, I met Socrates all washed and brushed, and wearing shoes, a thing he hardly ever did. I asked him where he was going, looking so elegant. I'm going to dinner with Agathon. I avoided the first celebration last night. I couldn't face the crowd, but I said I'd come this evening. I'm looking elegant because Agathon always looks elegant. What about you? How do you feel about coming to dinner uninvited? I'll do anything you tell me. Come on, then. Let's ignore the proverb, good men come uninvited to lesser men's feasts. Or rather, let's change it to, good men come uninvited to Agathon's feast. After all, Homer does worse than ignore it. He completely contradicts it. His Agamemnon is an outstanding warrior, while his Menelaus is a man of straw. But when Agamemnon is sacrificing and feasting, Homer lets Menelaus come to the feast without an invitation. Though that's a case of a lesser man coming to dinner with a better. I'm afraid in my case that Homer is likely to be nearer the mark than you, Socrates. It'll be a question of a non-entity coming to dinner uninvited with a wise man. You'd better decide what you'll say if you do take me. I'm not coming uninvited, only as your guest. Two heads are better than one. We'll think of something to say. Come on. So, off we went. But Socrates, absorbed in his own thoughts, got left behind on the way. I was going to wait for him, but he told me to go on ahead. So I turned up at Agathon's house by myself and found the door open. In fact, it was slightly embarrassing because one of the house slaves met me and took me straight in, where I found the others had just sat down to dinner. Agathon saw me come in, and at once said, Aristodemus, you're just in time to have dinner with us. I hope that's what you've come for. If not, it'll have to wait for another time. I tried to get hold of you yesterday to ask you, but couldn't find you. But why haven't you got Socrates with you? I turned round and looked behind me, and couldn't see Socrates anywhere. So I explained that I had come with Socrates. In fact, but for his invitation, I wouldn't have come at all. I'm glad you did. But where is he? He was right behind me just now. I've no more idea than you where he could have got to. Agathon turned to a slave. Could you go and look for Socrates, please, and ask him in? Aristodemus, why don't you sit over there by Eryximachus? While one slave was giving me a wash so I could sit down to dinner, another slave came in. That Socrates you asked me to look for has gone wandering up to the front door of the wrong house. He's just standing there. I asked him to come in, but he won't. <laughs> How odd. Still, don't give up. Keep on asking him. But I said, No, leave him alone. He's always doing this. It doesn't matter where he is, he just wanders off and stands there. I don't think he'll be long. Don't badger him, just leave him. Well, if you say so, I suppose we'd better. He turned to the slaves. The rest of us will eat now. Serve the meal just as you like. 
No one's going to tell you how to do it, any more than I ever tell you. Imagine we're all your guests, and try to give us a meal we'll enjoy. So we started having dinner, though still no sign of Socrates. Agathon kept wanting to send people to look for him, but I wouldn't let him. When he did turn up, he hadn't been long by his standards, but even so we were about halfway through dinner. Agathon, who'd sat down last at a table on his own, said, Come and sit next to me, Socrates. Then perhaps I shall absorb whatever it was you were thinking about outside. You must have found the answer, or you wouldn't have come in to join us. Socrates sat down and said, Wouldn't it be marvellous, Agathon? If ideas were the kind of things which could be imparted simply by contact, and those of us who had few could absorb them from those who had a lot, in the same sort of way that liquid can flow from a full container to an empty one if you put a piece of string between them. If that's the nature of ideas, then I think I'm lucky to be sitting next to you and getting a nice, substantial transfusion— my ideas aren't much use. They have an ambiguous, dreamlike quality, whereas yours are brilliant, and with so much scope for further improvement. You're only young, and yet they were particularly brilliant the day before yesterday, as more than 30,000 Greeks can testify. You're a troublemaker, Socrates. But we can settle this question of ideas a bit later. We'll give Dionysus the casting vote— but you'd better have dinner first. Well, gentlemen, how can we make things as painless for ourselves as possible? I must admit to feeling rather frail after yesterday evening. I need a breather, and I expect most of you do too. After all, you were there as well. So how can we make our drinking as painless as possible? I couldn't agree more, Pausanias. Whatever else we do, we don't want to let ourselves in for another evening's hard drinking. I'm one of those who sank without trace last night. I'm glad you both feel like that, Aristophanes. But we ought also to consider how strong Agathon is feeling. Oh, not at all strong, Eryximachus. It would certainly be a stroke of luck for people like Aristodemus and Phaedrus and me... If you hard drinkers are prepared to take an evening off, we're not in your league. I'm not worried about Socrates. He's equally happy either way, so he won't mind what we do. But as far as I can see, no one here is all that keen on drinking a lot, so perhaps I can tell you the truth about getting drunk without causing too much offence. My experience as a doctor... Leaves me in no doubt that getting drunk is bad for you. I'm not keen on drinking to excess myself, and I wouldn't advise anyone else to, especially anyone who still had a hangover from yesterday. Well, I generally follow your advice, especially on medical matters. So will the others, if they have any sense. So we all agreed just to drink what we felt like, rather than treating it as an opportunity to get drunk. Good. That's settled, then. We'll all drink as much as we feel like, and there's no compulsion on anyone. And since we've got that sorted out, I've another suggestion to make. I don't think we need this flute girl who's just started playing. She can play to herself, or to the women upstairs if she feels like it. But for this evening, I suggest we stick to conversation. And I've an idea what we might talk about, if you want to hear it. Everyone said they did want to hear it, 
and urged him to make his suggestion. I'll begin with the words of Euripides Melanippe. Not mine the tale I have to tell. <laughs> Rather, it belongs to Phaedrus here. He gets quite worked up about it. Don't you think it's odd, Eryximachus, he says, that most of the other gods have had hymns and songs of praise written to them by the poets, but never a word in praise of Eros, the oldest and greatest god. And it's not for want of good poets, either. Or think of the great teachers. They've recorded the exploits of Heracles and other heroes in prose. Prodicus, for example, does that sort of thing beautifully. Now, maybe that's not very surprising. But I came across a book the other day by a well-known writer with an extraordinary eulogy in it on the value of salt. You can find any number of things singled out for praise in this way. What is surprising is that there should be so much enthusiasm for that kind of thing, and yet no one, up to the present day, has ever found himself able to praise Eros as he deserves. He is a remarkable god, but he has been totally neglected. I agree with Phaedrus. I'd like to do him a favour and make my contribution. What's more, the present gathering seems an ideal opportunity to praise the god. So, if you agree, we can quite happily spend our time in talk. I propose that each of us, in turn, going round anticlockwise, should make a speech the best he can in praise of Eros. <laughs> Phaedrus can start, since he is in the position of honour, and since the whole thing was his idea. I don't think anyone will vote against you, Eryximachus. I'm certainly not going to refuse, since love is the...